Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the Rome Around League podcast. I'm your host, former NFL scout, Tyler Rome. Today's episode, look back at the week nine loss for Minnesota Vikings. It was a game that Washington had every chance to win for loss in the end due to support mistakes. The team really beat itself. I think that's the ultimate reason why they suffered the loss. Eagles are up next. They're the only undefeated team left at 8 0. They've been the class of NFC East and NFC as a whole and look prime for the number one seed in the playoffs. The Commanders will have to play their best game of the season to give Philly their first loss. A lot to get to, so let's get started. All right, first, I'm going to stop with the bombshell report. Last week, I recorded it before the you know, Dan Snyder selling, you know, came, came up and I, I, you know, as, as a person or, you know, guy that, you know, was really for his team his whole life, um, 28 years old and never seen anything of really semblance of a winner, at least a consistent winner in my whole life. Um, they went to the playoffs in 1999. Don't really remember that. I was five years old, 2005. Um, that was a nice, you know, five and six run to go finish one of last five to get 10 and six, 2007, the tragic season of Sean Taylor, you know, my favorite player going up, and they were five and seven, went four in a row to go nine and seven. 2012, you know, Roberts year three and six, and they went seven in a row to go ten and six. That was probably the best year I've had as a Washington fan. In 2015, they had the Kirk Cousins year where they won the division. I think it was a nine and seven, and then 2020, you know, the playoff year where everyone in the division was horrible and the team got in seven and nine. So, briefly, that's all five seasons they made the playoffs in my life. So. I say all that because I've heard all these stories from my dad and everyone involved. I mean, family members said, oh, there was these glory years. And um, even my brother, he, he witnessed the last year of the scene of the Super Bowl in the 90s. But, you know, I don't know anything of semblance of a good franchise. So and a lot of that has had to do with Snyder. Now, everything that is he has basically been a part of really all negative from the jump. Sign all the free agents when I was very young. Yeah, Bruce Smith, Deion Sanders, all those guys past their prime, Jeff George. And, you know, obviously all, all off the field stuff, the horrible things that he's done. He's not a good human being by all intents um, purposes. So I think every fan was elated to hear that news. And if you didn't, I don't know what really else could have made your day even better. So that's probably one of the best ones I've ever had as a Commanders fan. If he is, you know, in fact selling the team, maybe the team will have have the capability to build a winner again and something that they can attract, you know, free agents such coaches, executives, because this team's had to pick from the bottle and barrel for years now when it comes to free agency and draft. And draft, obviously, they have more of a chance to pick whoever they want because the players don't have a say in it, but coaching-wise, I think Ron Rivera is maybe not the, he might be an average coach, but he's a hell of a guy and a hell of a leader and he was the perfect guy for this situation and I think the team was lucky to get him when they did back in 2020. But other than that, they've had to, you know, settle for Jim Zorn 10 years ago or 12, 15 years ago. No one won this job. And, you know, maybe with a competent, stable owner, this team can, you know, do something to build something special. And hopefully they can get back to those glory years I've heard so much about. Um, so it really is nice to have that, you know, report. And hopefully that is true. And he sells his team by early next year. And 
they're moving into a new direction. Um, I don't know what that means for Ron and this current generation of staff. They probably will be on the clock if they don't finish out this year well with new ownership. And obviously, I think Ron and everyone is well aware of that. Um, obviously, the biggest names you hear is um, Bezos. And I don't know, it seems like Sinai won't sell to him, but that'd be a hell of an ownership group if it's Bezos, Jay-Z, I know Kevin Durant, Matthew McConaughey are in said as well. I don't know if it's all part of the same bid, but I can't. I mean, if, if this team has Jay-Z as an owner, Kevin Durant and Matthew McConaughey, Free agents are going to flock here. Players that get drafted are going to be happy to be here. Executive, like, it's going to be such a cool environment and aspect. They're going to be able to build a new stadium. Everything is going to be on up and up for this team. And I think it's going to just finally give some light at the end of the tunnel for this Commanders fan base and myself included. Um, you know, I've always been a you know big Matthew McConaughey guy because I, th- I think it's really cool that he's a Washington fan. I think it would be cool him to be a part of it. Jay-Z is obviously, you know, an icon and that would be huge. Kevin Durant. Don't always agree with his basketball choices, you know, going to Golden State or whatever. But I do like he's a Commanders fan, so it'd be great for him and part of it too. So it is really cool to have someone of those, you know, stature, you know, be a part of this team and organization. Um, I heard the Byron Allen is of interest as well. He, he'd be another cool aspect to have. He could be, you know, one of the few minority owners in the NFL. Um, something that's attractive for the league. So really any of these guys would be hopefully, I mean, will be a breath of a share for this city this team, this organization, um, the league. I know the NFL is happy that Snyder is going to be on his way out. So um, I think anything, I don't want to curse it, but anything should be better than him. So I think I'm very, it's very excited for this team and this fan base to finally you know, see Snyder's reign coming to an end. Okay, moving on to the field. Um, William Jackson, third trade last week. I also missed that. A swap of late round picks basically amounts to nothing. Save some cap space. I see still in the books for next year as well. But um, the Steelers see something in him that, you know, he's going to be fit more. That says some apparently Tomlin's liked him going back to the 2016 NFL draft. So let's see if they can get his career jump started back again with Pittsburgh. Uh, he's definitely more of a man corner. I, I could definitely see him doing well in Pittsburgh. He's a better fit for Tomlin and uh, Tomlin's defensive style. So in Washington, like I said, they got really nothing. But they got out of a situation that they knew was not what have should have been. It was a bad decision from Ron and the personnel staff, and I'm glad they owned up to it, that he wasn't a good fit from the start. They didn't do it well enough to adjust for him. Um, so I put it, you know, blame on all sides. I think William Jackson didn't play his capabilities. I think the team didn't put him in the best situation to play his capabilities. So um, obviously the situation's over now. He's in Pittsburgh. Benjamin St. Juice is starting corner for this team, and he's the best corner on this team right now. So it's good to see, you know, a young player like him in a second year stepping up, and now they have a, a player at corner that they can start going forward and, you know, be one of their top two corners. Moving on to the Minnesota game, team should have won. Up 17-7 in the third quarter. Um, it's just something that I was at the game and I felt that way. I mean, people around us were excited. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend's a new Commanders fan, and she's like, we're going to win. And I said, I shook my head. It's going back to the Snyder's, Snyder's reign that it just that always something bad happens at the end. So it, it, when they weren't consistently um, playing well enough to win, they had ch- chances to Put the ball in the end zone more. Uh, Heineke had a horrible game. I don't think anyone can really say otherwise. He was bad. The interception was a horrible, horrible throw. It would have been a good decision. Logan was open, but you know, bad footwork, which Taylor consistently does. He doesn't have the arm to make up for it. Is what leads to mistakes like that. I mean, he is a true backup quarterback. Anyone that says anything otherwise is just lying to themselves. Taylor is. I'm not taking away from his story. I'm glad the team can win with him on occasion. And he's a hell of a backup quarterback, but this team needs to find something, and potentially going back to Carson here in the next few weeks, because um, Taylor is going to make some plays that obviously excites everyone, myself included, but he's going to make plays like that that's going to cost you. Um, he missed, dude, missed a throw to John Bates in that trick play. 
bases open to the left sideline, uh, going into the end zone in the red zone area. Horrible throw. Taylor basically threw it into the stands. The touchdown to Curtis was a horrible decision by him. Pure luck that the referee ran into Cameron Bynum, um, Cameron Bynum and Curtis able to make a play on it. Great play by Curtis, but that should have been interception. He had to, uh, Terry underneath an in-breaking route that he should have thrown to. Didn't do it. Um, obviously, he was able to get lucky and do it, but that I just you know that doesn't happen very well. So it may happen very often. So he was rewarded for you know making a bad decision there. Um, obviously, he had a hell of a spin move and a looseness in that one run for nine yards. Horrible decision by Ron Rivera to challenge the spot for some reason. Goes to Ron's decision making sometimes on the field, clock management challenges, but that was a bad decision by him. Great play by Taylor, but you know that that's just you know what. I'm, Ron has kind of alluded to more that Taylor is a, is a um, roller coaster, and he 100% is. He's going to make this fan base and this team around him feel the highest of highs, and he's going to make them feel the lowest of lows too because he can win you a game just as well as he can lose you a game. So um, obviously the team loves him. He makes plays, but he has so many limitations really going back to his arm strength, his size. Um, and like I said, Ron has kind of alluded to as much. This is a huge week for him. Um, this is a hell of, an, hell of a big game. Monday night, you're playing undefeated Philly in Philly. Um, if he wins, he's still going to – I don't see how they can bench him, even if Carson's eligible to come off IR next week. Um, if he loses, I don't. I think they're going back to Carson. Like, and Carson is definitely the more talented player. The biggest thing you have to consider is the offensive line is not very good, and they need Taylor's elusiveness. I will give Taylor that. He is definitely more elusive than uh, Carson. Not even close, obviously. It's not a competition there. Um, but if he loses on Sunday – excuse me, on Monday night, and it's not a good game, Carson's going back in, whether it's against Houston or Atlanta the following week. Um, and that still might be the case even if Taylor wins. I think they're still trying to get a vibe on what Carson can provide this team and franchise going forward considering he's under contract next year. Um, I like Carson's, you know, able to throw the ball down the field, but obviously he made some poor decision-making as well when he was in, and he's definitely physically limited because he's not as mobile as he used to be, and this office line is not good, and they need someone that can be mobile back there. So if I was them, I wouldn't be disappointed if they stick with Taylor or stick with Carson. Having all I said about Taylor is just – he just he needs to play more consistent if they're going to win with him, and that's obvious. This is a one-year thing again. Looks like they're back in the quarterback market next year, unless Carson comes in and they stick with him for another year. But if they want to win this year, which Ron absolutely needs to win this year now that a new owner is in play, um, to make sure he's you know, relevant for next year. Because if he really could depend on the time of the sale, um, if they knew it by January, Ron could be out. If it's by March, I'm sure he's going to stay just because. You know, at that point, you're getting to free agency, you get prepared for the draft. The new ownership's not going to really have a chance to make a move. So, but either way, you know, Ron could be on the clock now, now that a new ownership is a possibility. That run game was pretty below average, which is disappointing because the Vikings could have been hurt in the run game. Their defense is average right now. Um, they had a couple explosive plays of Curtis Samuels and Amani Rodgers on the end of round, but that was about it. Robinson is just, you know, he's, he's not explosive. He's a thumper um slow trotting guy and i think it's more time to really to give gibson more of the carries just because I, I think gibson's upside is so much bigger than brian robinson's and i'm always been a gibson fan i love the way gibson had that kick return too so i think you know he's been getting more kick return just because he's not running the ball as much but i think gibson should be the clear number one back and you know if a timeshare i get it but i think gibson should still be getting more touches than brian robinson Cornelius Lucas struggled on that right side obviously he was going against the darius smith so it's a tough matchup but you know maybe it's time to put cosby back there um Cosme is still recovering from that hand injury. Um, he's been active the last couple of weeks, but is really gonna, only was going to go into emergency situations. But I've heard more and more that he's going to be moving to guard based on the John Kine podcast and other people, uh, reporters around the team. So I think he'd be good at guard. I really do. But, you know, if Lucas can't hold up a tackle, you're going to have to put Cosme back, you know, at right tackle. Curtis had a good game, hell of a play on that touchdown. That was all him, basically triple coverage. Um, 
and you know, I'm glad that he's been so consistent this year. He's been showing everything that I thought he would be last year but before the injury. Diami had to drop, um, wasn't getting too many targets, but he has to really take advantage of any, any um, opportunity he gets because he's low on the depth chart, especially when Jahan gets back. Not much action for Camson. The first play of the game, I think he had to come back for about 10, 12 yards. And um, I really would like to see, you know, Cam's such a big body, and Taylor had so much rapport with him um, in practice. And, you know, going forward, I really would like to see Cam get some more targets because um, he just provides something else and none of the receivers in this team can, and that's just size. Couldn't really get Terry going. He had nine targets. He had five catches. And I, I, that's concerning just because their cornerbacks can't cover Terry. I would like to see him get the ball more force feed him. I don't care. Whatever Scott Turner needs to get the ball, he should have done. But this game, more than ever, the last couple weeks, really is evident that they need Jahan Dotson back. Jahan is a – he's great off the line. He's a really good route runner, and he's, you know, a top receiver for this team, obviously. And he takes attention away from Terry, off of Curtis, allows Curtis to play in the slot more, or Jahan to play. He's a chess piece, and just like Curtis is. So I'm really, really excited to see Jahan back on the field because he brings added elements to this offense. They left points on the bar – excuse me, the board, had a chance to extend lead, wasn't able to um, – and that was the story of the game for this offense. I think it goes to the offensive line, goes to Heineke, goes to Scott Turner. Um, this is a team that should be five and four right now, if not six and three, if you go back to Tennessee game. And you know they're four and five, and um, really need to start going a run here, especially if they lose to Philly uh, this week. Uh, D line was good again. They've been the best group for this team as they should be with all the capital, you know, in that position group. They got after Kirk. Um, Theron was great. He's up to five sacks now. He's definitely playing for that contract. He's going to be. A big, big ass to sign him again next year, um, or they're going to tag him. But would love to see him back because him and Jonathan Allen probably are the best uh, defensive tackle duo in the league. Jonathan Allen is just a freaking stud and continuously plays um, like one of the best players at his position week in and week out. Um, they did a really good job against Alvin Cook, contained him uh, fifth, sixth straight week where they've you know shut down the running game, and they've been doing it against good running backs too. You know, Henry, Dalvin Cook. Um, the list goes on. And uh, I like to see Jamie Davis. He keeps getting better and better. He's proving that he's starting linebacker. He's kind of, you know, hitting on that potential I always thought he had. And it's only second year. I think people were quick to, you know, ditch on him too, including the coach staff, it seems, sometimes. But glad to see him playing well. I thought Kenneth Fuller had his best game of the year, um, which is good because he's, you know, had it down here and they need him to start, you know, picking it up, play consistently. Benjamin St. Juice has turned into a really good player. I really like how he's been playing. Um, he's physical. Like he's good at pressing at the uh, at the line. Um, his ball skills are getting better. He has a couple of interceptions this year that were called back. Um, but even the interception on Justin Jefferson, yes, I mean, it was probably the right call. But they both are fighting for it, and you're going against the top receiver in the NFL. Jefferson's going to get the benefit of the doubt. So that sucks. Like they would have put the team up 24-7, kind of really maybe would have been the nail in the coffin. But St. Juice did a really good job with Jefferson. One-on-one balls, he did pretty well. It was a back shoulder he got him on. And then obviously they had one. Uh, the slot fade he got him but again Jefferson's a beast no other way to say it and St. Juice did the best he could I was really impressed with him um, and he hung with him and he's the number one corner on this team now and he will be going forward when we surprised if he starts following guys I'm sure he'll be on A.J. Brown this Monday night and um, Ken will be on Damonte Smith which was a bad matchup the first time we played but hopefully it will be you know better turnaround this week um, and St. Juice is a building block in the secondary now. I think going forward, they know they have at least one really good corner, and they obviously look for another one in the offseason, depending on what they do with Kendall. Um, but St. Juice is definitely a building block now for that secondary. Danny Johnson was good in the slot. I like him better than Wild Goose. He had a good year last year. I was, I was kind of surprised they cut him out of training camp, so I'm glad to see him back out there. Cam Crow was his usually steady, really good self. Derek Forrest, good against the run as usual. Bob McCain, you know, his solid play back there for the most part. Um, so either way, it, it was... Um, 
it was um, you know, good to see the safeties play the way we've been playing. And defense has been so consistent um, really since week four. So it's, hopefully they can go again this week. Bad play by Ridgeway on the field goal. You know, they, Minnesota was smart. They, they apparently saw it on an extra point earlier in the game. Told the referee to look at it. So the referee saw it, and they didn't hesitate to call it on a Ridgeway, and that cost the team the game, really, or was one of the reasons teams you know, lost the game. Defense did enough to win. I mean, you hold that offense at 20 points with Kirk and Jefferson, Cook, Hawkinson, Thielen, like, your offense needs to put up more than that. So defense has been great during this stretch and needs to continue to be if this team is going to have a chance to make the playoffs. I look at the Eagles game. Obviously, this is a tough, tough team to go against. Um, they have a hell of a defensive line. Got Brandon Graham with three sacks, Fletcher Cox with three. Javon Hargraves having a hell of a year with six sacks. Uh, Josh Witt with two and a half. They just traded Robert Quinn to you know, come and rotate with Sweat and Graham. Um, he's a guy that had 20 sacks last year for Chicago. More of a down year right now. But um, he's definitely someone that can add some juice off the edge for Philly. Linebacker-wise, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards having a breakout year with 74 tackles, three interceptions, Hassan Riddick, five and a half sacks. Another guy coming off the edge. Um, he's been a consistent player these last couple of years for the Cardinals and Panthers and now with Philly. Secondary has been great. Darius Slade, James Bradbury both have three interceptions apiece. Monte Maddox in the slot. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was a steal of the trade. They got him in um, right before the season started from the Saints. He has 42 tackles, five interceptions. Marcus Epps is the other starting safety. Um, obviously, the first time these two team plays, Washington struggled to get anything going. Ten sacks or whatever it was going against Carson. Um, and obviously, I don't expect that number to be the same this week just because Taylor can avoid some of those sacks. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I think Washington can help him by obviously running the ball. Scott Turner has to run the ball. Philly is bad against the run. They gave up 5.1 yards per carry so far this year, 121 yards a game. We saw with the Texans and Damian Pierce to them last week. Um, he, they gashed them. David Pearson almost 140 yards rushing. They're vulnerable. Washington has to key on that. If they're going to win, they have to run the ball. Gibson has to get 15 carries. Job, uh, Robinson can get 10 carries. Hoping J.D. McKissick's back. If he's not, give Jonathan Williams some carries. He had a nice game against Dallas six weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, and this pass rush for Phillies, you know, elite. And to slow it down, they need to run game. Give them something to think about when they're coming to the field. Um, Obviously, against the pass, they're much better because of that pass rush. Their cornerbacks are stout, the secondary, the safeties. They're good defense. They're a good team. Um, so this team has to run. We'll have, have a chance. Need help off the edge for Lucas or Cosme, whoever's out there, and Leno. Um, they're going up against guys like Reddick, Sweat, Graham, Robert Quinn. So I definitely need some help off of that. Hopefully John Bates can you know help with Monty Rogers, Logan Thomas. Um, interior line is going to have their hands full against Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. Ted Larson, Trey Turner, Norwell, they have to do with the – if they get, you know, bull rush like they did the first week, first time, it's going to be another long game for Washington and Taylor Heineke. So uh, maybe Ch- Charles gets back out there. Tur- Turner has been better the last two weeks, though. But it's like Turner's back to starting guard permanently. Um, play action needs to be part of this game, especially with running the ball. Quick game, screens, slants, hats off, set the rush. Get them, again, something to think about where they're coming up field. If they have any chance to really beat, you know, and slow down Philly's pass rush. Need Jahan Dotson back. Um... Jahan will be huge for this game. Um, I think they, they can't cover him in the slot. Monte Maddox is their weakest player at the corners um, in the secondary. Um, and Dotson lines up a lot in the slot. So does um, Curtis. Terry does as well. So um, they need to get Terry the ball. I don't care who's on him. He's beat Slay before. He's beat Bradbury like a drum twice last year against the Giants. Um, Terry's one of the best receivers in the league. He needs to get the ball. I don't care who's on him. He needs to get the ball 10 targets, and there's really no excuse if he doesn't. Taylor has to be consistent with his mechanics uh, because he'll be picked in this game if he sails the ball in the middle field. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson will pick it off and, you know, make a play for Philly. So Taylor has to be 
on his best, you know, best game to have a chance. So they turn the ball over. This team will not have a chance to win. Um, I think this team can beat Philly. I know I sound maybe a little um, dull on their chance to win, but Philly has, you know, been struggled on defense last week against Houston. Um, but again, I think Washington has a chance to win the game. Win this game, they just have to be near perfect and just not turn the ball over. Um, obviously, the Eagles' offense, their offense line: Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson. Um, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Suamalu, and Lane Johnson. Uh, Mylotta had really struggled last week against Jerry Hughes. Um, he's six eight. He's a mammoth human being, but he can't bend because he is so tall and you know big. So, um, if Jerry Hughes at thirty four, not taking away them, still a good player, can get around the edge off him. Montez Chase, who should be back. Jason Williams, even bring Jamin off the edge. Like they can get past him. They need to, you know exploit that matchup because my lot of can be beat divas line needs to be dominant like they have been the last you know six seven weeks they can get to hurts like i said especially if chase is back there i expect to run jonathan allen to play what they have been and you know you know put you know put uh, jalen hurts in vulnerable situations montez need to step up a little bit obviously he's been quiet really since that tennessee and chicago games maybe with chase back that will help you know him you know get back to where he needs to be offensively you got jalen hurts 2,000 yards passing last year 12 touchdowns two interceptions 326 yards rushing, six touchdowns, 18 touchdowns total so far. Miles Sanders, that's over 600 yards rushing and six touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell is a really good number two running back for them. A.J. Brown's having a hell of a year for them. Um, that was a heck of a trade for them. I don't know what the hell Tennessee was doing trading him. But see, he has 718 yards and six touchdowns. Devontae Smith has 442 yards, two touchdowns. Feels like half of that was the first game against Washington. So he's definitely someone that needs to be targeted at. And... Um, Keith in check because if he does, if he does, plays like he did the first game, Washington's going to be in a world of trouble. Quez Watkins only has eight catches, but he is a deep threat for them. And Dallas Goddard, Goddard has 40 catches and over 500 yards, two touchdowns. Definitely someone needs to be considered and uh, accounted for in the middle of the field. Philly has an explosive offense. That's no secret. Um, and his team got killed by Demonte since last time. He has to be part of the um, game plan this week to, you know, exp- uh, keep an eye on him. Obviously, you got to get Kendall, who got burned by him consistently last time, um, has to have a game up because I think. St. Jude should be on A.J. Brown. Need Cole Holcomb back. He missed the last two weeks. It'd be huge to have him back. Even though Bostic did a pretty good job middle linebacker last week, he's definitely a better player than um, Bostic, so Holcomb back would be good. I mean, Jamin Davis has to continue to play like he has been. I really like the way he's playing, like I said. Um, just looks more free out there and just looks more like he should be where it comes to his looseness, his athletic ability, and the way that when he doesn't have to think and react, he's a very, very good player. I would, like I said, put St. Juice on Brown. Kendall needs to step up. Danny Johnson, if he plays like he did last week in the slot, he should be okay. Um, Cam Crow's probably going to see a lot of Dallas Goddard, um, which, you know, Cam is not as good as coverage as you'd like him to be, but he's still a very good player, and I think he will do at least an adequate job on Goddard. Um, Derek Forrest, obviously, let's see him get some more reps, too. I love the way he plays the run. Um, and this defense has been really a top 10 unit since week four, only given about 16 points a game since then. Um, and they have to keep it up to give this team a chance. The team, I know it's a lot on this defense, but they have to limit them to 21, 24 points. Because if they do, the offense hopefully have a chance to, you know, outscore them and win the game. Um, the defense, I really believe, will play well. They have too much pride after the last time they gave up 24 points or whatever it was. Um, I expect this team to play really well and, you know, give the offense a shot. Really tough matchup, and I really do think the commanders can win. But for the purpose of this pod, I'm going to give Philly the win. I'm going to get, make it 27-20. Um, and... Philly proven 9 0, and then Washington would drop to 4 and 6 in that scenario. Moving to fantasy, you got Chargers wide receiver Josh Palmer. He's been the number one receiver last week with them, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out. Could be that way again. Mike Williams is definitely out. Keenan Allen's still on the men with the hamstring. He had eight catches, 106 yards last week. They got the 49ers this week on Sunday Night Football. 
Get Panthers receiver Terrace Marshall Jr. He's 140 yards on a touchdown these last two weeks. They got the Falcons on Thursday night. Um, that's kind of more of a dark throw just because the quarterback situation, I think P.J. Walker starting again, but um, Carolina. Um, Marshall is a guy that I really like coming to LSU, but he's a talented player, but that's not all of him. The quarterback's going to need to get, step up their games, especially with the way P.J. Walker played at the beginning of last week. Miami running back Jeff Elson Jr., I think eventually he's going to take over for Mostert, be the number one back there. He's someone to look at right now. He split time with Mostert last week, but I could see him, again, being the RB1 there. Nine carries, 51 yards, and a receiving touchdown last week. They got the Browns this week. Bears tight end Cole Komet. He had five catches, 41 yards, and two touchdowns. They have the Lions this week. Tight end has obviously been a really um, low position in fantasy. If you got a guy that can get you a touchdown a week, that's huge. And I'm not saying Cole Komet could do that, but Fields has really, really set this game up these last three or four weeks, and I think Komet's going to see a, a boost in production. And lastly, another tight end, just because the tight end has been very, you know, bottom of the barrel position. Noah Fan had five catches, 96 yards last week for Seattle. Geno Smith has shown that he's no mirage so far. He's having a breakout year and year nine or 10, whatever it is, good for him. And Noah Fan's been someone that's been able to um, benefit from it. They have the Buccaneers this week. He's a target to look at a tight end. Well, with that, that will include this from our league episode. The Commanders will look to give Philly their first loss of the year. How sweet would it be given the rival that lost number one on the year? And win this week on primetime will show the league they're a true contender for a wild card spot. It'll be really nice to have a marquee win this week. I'll be back next week looking back at the Eagles game and previewing the week 11 matchup at the Texans. You can follow me on Twitter at NFLScout21 and Instagram at RomanLeague_Pod. Thanks for listening. Please hit subscribe. This is your host, Tyler Roman, signing off. See you next time.